The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. Finally, it's here. Dreams can come true. Yes. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, and anything else that's on our minds. Here we are out in the remote world. I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosa. On this week's show, we have a movie review, some news from around the tech world. And for those of you who uh, either love or hate Apple, we have crunched all of the announcements from their 420 Spring Loaded event into one segment so you can either skip to it or skip it all together. Uh, we do this for your convenience. First up, though, El Kaiser, uh, you, you've been watching the movies there, have you not? I have, yeah. This is going to be a little different from what we usually do because I usually do TV stuff, but I like Bob Odenkirk. You know Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad and Back in the day, he was actually a comedian and he used to write for all sorts of TV shows and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's, you know he's been guy. around for a while. He's, he has been around for a while. And I like him. I mean, Better Call Saul, his performance on Better Call Saul is fantastic. He's a good actor. So, I, you know, I figured I'd give this a shot. At first, I thought it was a comedy. It's a revenge thriller. It's the same writer from John Wick, you know, Keanu Reeves beating everybody up because somebody killed his dog. In this case, it's a revenge thriller with Bob Odenkirk beating everyone up because someone maybe stole his daughter's kitty bracelet. So legitimately, that is the movie. That is the premise. That is the the thing. Could they not get Liam Neeson for this? uh? Well, Liam Neeson or, you know, it seems to me like it would have been a movie that all these older action stars, Bruce Willis or Schwarzenegger or somebody, they would have fit right into this. You know what I mean? But for some reason, they decided to go to Bob Odenkirk. And it seems kind of like, wow, that's a good idea because you wouldn't think of him as as an action guy. But- it was weird. At first, I thought that because I'm getting older and I started getting that old guy vibe, I couldn't stand this movie. I, I just couldn't watch the movie. Did, did you bail halfway through or did you stick it out? No, to the I end? stick it out. You know, I think we've talked about this before. I'm the type of person that if it's a bad book or a bad movie, I plod through all the way to the end. You know, like I've, I've committed myself to doing this, stick to itiveness. I got to, you know, I got to stick to it. But oddly enough, I just found it revolting, odious. Like, I don't know why I just, well, you know what? I think I do know why. Because it's a violence porn movie where a middle-aged white guy goes on a rampage and kills hundreds of people. And you can tell in the background that the studio execs or maybe even the screenwriter was like, well, you know, we can't make them brown people for him to shoot because, you know, we don't want to get the BLM folks upset. And again, this is I have no proof that this happened. I'm just saying I got the stink of this. But you're thinking they may have been reading the the current room. Of course. So they made them Russians. Okay. Well, you know, there there've always been the standby bad guys. For right. Decades. But they did have the exactly. And then and or guys with British accents. You know, that was the thing for a long time that the bad guys always had to have a British accent. But of course, you know, that said they did have one Russian guy who was black. And of course, they made the black Russian jokes. Christopher Lloyd is in it. And the rapper Riza is in it. People jump in out of nowhere. Connie Nielsen is completely wasted in really? this movie. Is this a made for cable kind of thing? 
I thought it was a comedy at first, to be honest. I figured Bob Odenkirk playing this role, even the poster looks like a comedy thing. He's getting punched in the face mid-motion. It was deadly serious. Kind of uh, indirect marketing there. Yeah, I mean, I was like legitimately, I, I have reached a point where I can't see a movie with buckets of blood. When you think about what's going on, especially in the United States, with gun violence, watching a movie with people getting shot in the face. I mean, it's not fantasy anymore. Like, no, this is what the reality it's not. is. I it's want the a break reality. from reality. Exactly. I would like a break from reality. I mean, bone crunching and all this stuff, it was brutally bad. I found it so bad. I still like Bob Odenkirk, don't get me wrong. But I just found the entire premise of the movie just so awful and disgusting that I would not recommend this All right, so this is anyone. a thumbs down from Mel It is a, a hard thumbs down. A hard pass, as they say. Hard pass. But I suspect that we had a lot of news this week. We, we did have some news. Well, you know, Apple sort of waltzed out and did its big, big spring product announcement thing. And, and and we will push them to the second half of the show just for, for people who uh, can't abide them. But, but yeah, there, there was some, some news here. So so we'll get to the Apple stuff a little bit later. Uh, but one of their many announcements uh, was that they were going to have a, a podcast subscription service coming to their podcast app in May. Now, Spotify, which has been making a lot of inroads into podcasts itself in the past few years. I think they even do the Anchor app for people who want to make their own. Spotify is set to announce that its own podcast service will be getting subscriptions as well this month. And unlike Apple's approach to the topic, Spotify won't be taking a cut of the subscription fees. You know how Apple's always got to have a little uh, dip there? A little taste. They got to have a little yeah, taste. Yeah, a little yeah. Taste. Spotify, I guess, is going to toss away some potential cash just to try to get more people to come monetize their podcasts on its platform. So uh, they're doing this big, I, I think they're supposed to announce next week. This is all early rumors and various blogs are reporting this. And as part of their podcast subscription push, Facebook plans to launch an integrated version of Spotify's audio player in its app next week as well, which will let the users have access to the songs and podcasts directly. You know, if you're on Facebook, you can just and tap and listen in there. So I guess neither company seems to care for Apple these days. So I guess why not team up? Yeah, why not? Well, I'm not on Facebook, as I like to say. You know, if, if you're playing the Pop Tech Jam drinking game, you know, take a shot. You are Facebook free and loving it. I am Facebook free and loving it. But you know what? Should we charge the millions of listeners that we have for the show, JD, we could make a killing. I don't think. I think we should keep giving, you know, to people who who take the time to download us. I so we'll we sacrifice should. that pile, that that cubic buttload. Take yes. a shot. Yes. <laughs> and we'll sacrifice that that load of money for our our listeners. Yes, I think we should just our listener. I think we should just keep giving. You know. Yes, we should just keep giving. Great, but you know what? What our listeners can do if you've gotten this far in the show after my rant, you should go and maybe you know like why don't you put a review of the podcast? Help us out. That's how you can help us out. We won't charge you, but put a review. Yeah, just let them know how platform. we're doing because, you know, we, 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 you know, we appreciate feedback, you know, uh, in any direction just to, to kind of keep talking here. Yes, yes. Any feedback, that'll help. So, so, so for now, Pop Tech Jam will remain free. For now. Yes. <laughs> for now. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, but uh, as we know, uh, Apple 
loves to just do a flurry of announcements, but there's one coming from the academic world that it's probably not going to excite the Apple fans out there. Security researchers from Germany's Technical University of Darmstadt have found two holes in the airdrop protocol, which, uh, if exploited, could allow an attacker to obtain email addresses and phone numbers uh, of those devices who are transferring files via airdrop. Oh! I love airdrop. It's very... I I mainly use it at home. I I turned off all of my... uh, things on the subway because you don't want somebody to like try to send you something if they see that your your phone is available for airdropping. But I use it at home all the time for transferring files between various Apple devices. Very handy in that regard. So the airborne data as you are transferring via airdrop is a cloaked in hash values, but researchers said that a brute force attack can reveal the information there. Uh, they also said they told Apple about these security flaws uh, about a year ago and have not heard if the company plans to patch up these holes. Oh, Apple. Yeah, yeah, the blowing it off. You know, it's going to come back to bite you. Note that anyone trying to hack airdrop data, though, would need to be in close proximity to the targets of people who are using uh, the airdrop to successfully exploit the flaws. So maybe that's why Apple is not exactly busting a, a move to, to fix this. But still, it's a legitimate hole. And... Once they find one hole or two holes, they find more holes. That is exactly right. Patch this up. Now, uh, Facebook, which uh, generally shows you the posts in your newsfeed based on what its algorithm dictates, uh, has announced that that service that you quit years ago that you're much happier without. (laughs) Take a shot. Yes. Yes, uh, their Facebook. They've announced that it's going to ask for more feedback from users about what they like and what they don't like in their feeds. And, and maybe they might actually pay attention and use some of this feedback uh, for future reference. Uh, if you <laughs> really? say, I do not like these stories repeatedly, maybe Facebook will stop showing you certain types of stories. Now, in a company blog post, the social network wrote, in 2019, we introduced surveys to ask people, is this post worth your time? And we use that feedback to inform how we arrange posts in their news feeds going forward. For example, if people say a post is worth their time, we'll aim to show posts like that higher in the newsfeed. And if it isn't worth their time, we'll aim to show those posts uh, closer to the bottom of the feed, asking new questions about the content people find valuable, as well as the content people don't enjoy seeing in their newsfeed. So blah, 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 blah. Facebook is basically asking you what you want to see instead of just ramming whatever it thinks you want to see uh, into your feed. Give me all the anti-vax stuff. Just send me all the anti-vax stuff. That's what I want. Yeah, you just want to read nothing but disinformation. Yes, that's exactly what I want. But for me, you know, what's even better than getting your news from Facebook is maybe supporting your local news organization and going to their site or even subscribing. That's just crazy talk. You know, straight to the source. Don't let Facebook tell you what you want to, you know, yeah, it's convenient. You're looking at stuff anyway. And sometimes occasionally you might see a story that that you weren't going to run into, but... Overall, just, you know, check out your local news. Cat photos. Cat photos. You, you want cat photos and, and uh, COVID rumors, right? That's what the news organizations need to do. They need to start printing memes. The New York Times should have a meme. You should just have, instead of the weather, just have a cat picture. Just have a cat picture, a rabbit picture, or memes on their homepage. And forget about it. Yeah, yeah. You just, you gotta, the youngs will fly to it. Got to get them with the visuals. They'll you know? fly to it. Trust me on this. Now, uh, speaking of that service that you're not on any longer and are much happier without, while uh, CEO Mark Zuckerberg said his company did its part for election integrity and tried to boot disinformation peddlers off the platform, an internal review by the same company, a task force within uh, there, 
found that Facebook failed to take appropriate action against the Stop the Steal movement ahead of the January 6th Capitol insurrection. I'm shocked. BuzzFeed, being BuzzFeed, uh, got a copy of the report, decided to share it with the world, and highlighted uh, selected quotes, uh, one of them which reads in part, but hindsight being 2020 makes it all the more important to look back and learn what we can about the growth of election delegitimizing movements that grew spread conspiracy, and helped incite the Capitol insurrection. The report goes on to state, We learned a lot from these cases. We're building tools and protocols and having policy discussions to help us do better the next time. So I'm like, you mean the next time there's an attempted overthrow of the government, you might actually do something? They might. They might. They might. They might. They're, they're talking, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I will link to the BuzzFeed story uh, for, for those who, who want to read it in full. And hey, but, and hey, that was an alleged attempted insurrection. Oh, yes, alleged, yes. Alleged. Yes, you, you know, the, the, those videos, you know, questionable. Self-driving cars can make a lot of people nervous, uh, you know, the whole autonomous vehicle thing. But local police and uh, some uh, folks in Texas claim that a recent Tesla crash there had no one in the driver's seat, which is not supposed to happen. Even if the car has an autopilot mode, there's always supposed to be somebody in the driver's seat. So as you can imagine, people are wondering, well, how did this happen? Now, while local authorities and the U.S. Department of Transportation say they're still gathering information about this Tesla crash in Texas, Consumer Reports said that its vehicle testers were easily able to trick Tesla's autopilot system to operate Without anyone in the driver's seat, two Consumer Reports researchers used a weighted chain attached to the steering wheel to uh, simulate the pressure of the driver's hands, and then they were able to use the steering wheel dial from a Tesla Model Y to accelerate from a full stop and then drive around on an obstacle course, all while sitting in the passenger seat or the back seat. So there was nobody in the driver's seat, and the Consumer Reports folks are out on the, the driving range just driving without anybody in the driver's seat. How much did they pay the person to sit in the passenger seat while this was happening? Uh, well, I, I guess this this Consumer Reports person was uh, doing it all for the name of science. Wow. I hope they give him a raise. Yeah. So uh, so they were able to successfully prove that the, the thing about you always had to have somebody in the driver's seat of a Tesla is not actually the case. And I think a lot of videos have also been popping up even before this crash of like people asleep at the wheel and the Tesla's on all pile going to high. And you see somebody just like slumped over the steering wheel snoring. So... Not not really making you feel real good about the autopilot thing when, when they crash like this. Definitely not. Yes. Uh, now, for many technology users, the Federal Trade Commission's ability to fine uh, companies and get monetary rewards in court uh, kind of felt like accountability in action. However, the United States Supreme Court has now kneecapped the FTC by tossing out uh, the legal tool the agency was using to collect billions of dollars from bad tech companies over the past decade. Uh, this is from a report from Bloomberg. And uh, as Bloomberg reports, uh, the court's justices unanimously agree that the FTC can't seek consumer redress when it invokes a provision that lets the agency go straight to federal court to try to stop an alleged fraud. Uh, the court said Congress didn't authorize efforts to recoup money in 1973 when it amended the Federal Trade Commission Act to let the agency seek a court-ordered permanent injunction. So the Supreme Court is saying that this is a, a problem that Congress has never authorized this sort of activity. The ruling is a bow-tied gift, however, to business trade groups, which had urged the court to clamp down on the FTC's powers because it had been using them to find companies and get billions of dollars to give back to the people uh, who had been ripped off. The acting chairperson of the FTC, Rebecca Kelly Slaughter, told Bloomberg, we urge Congress to act swiftly to restore and strengthen the powers of the agency so we can make wronged consumers whole. So so they're asking for an official congressional uh, decree, I guess, which would restore these uh, powers. So we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, we shall see. 
And finally... And finally, it was a big week in space, not one but two Mars helicopter flights, uh, and SpaceX fired up another crewed mission uh, to the International Space Station. But first things first, with the Ingenuity Mars helicopter becoming the first aircraft in history to make a powered controlled flight on another planet. I actually got up uh, about quarter of six on Monday to watch this. And it was a room full of engineers, and they were waiting for a data download. It was it was not like the splashy graphics of, of seeing a SpaceX rocket come down and land on its little remote thing. It, they were waiting for a, a data download, you know, 20 nerds in matching polo shirts. Uh, and I think it was like 3 in the morning out at the Jet Propulsion Lab in Pasadena. So uh, an all-nighter with like packs of crumpled peanuts everywhere. But they were waiting for this to find it because they had no idea if the helicopter had actually been able to fly. So... This was uh, Monday, April 19th. The uh, download of the data arrived, plus some images, uh, and they did confirm Ingenuity's inaugural flight. The data showed that the helicopter climbed to its prescribed maximum altitude of uh, 10 feet and did a little stable hover for like 30 seconds, and then it just went back down. But still, the first flight was like 39.1 seconds. This comes 117 years after the Wright brothers made the first powered flight on Earth on the Flyer 1 aircraft near Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. And uh, a, a little Easter egg that they, they planted in because, you know, NASA loves to have little <laughs> symbolic things. They, they actually do. had a postage stamp swatch of fabric from the Wright Brothers Flyer 1 plane that was attached to Ingenuity next to a solar panel. So they, they took a little piece of this ancient aircraft to Mars with them, and it went up with, with the helicopter uh, when it flew on this uh, historic first flight on another planet. so Love it. Love it. Yeah, a few days later on April 22nd, the helicopter took its second flight, uh, this one lasting 51.9 seconds. So it went a little higher, a little longer duration, and it did some sideways movement, just kind of testing out its powers. And then, uh, this seems sort of anticlimactic, but on Friday, April 23rd, uh, the SpaceX Crew-2 mission blasted off from Launch Complex 39A at NASA's Kennedy Space Center in Florida, taking four astronauts from three different space agencies up to the International Space Station. So it, it was, if you are a, a space nerd, this was a very good week. This was a great week. Yes. Uh, so I will have links to uh, all these stories and more on our show page, which you can find at poptechjam.com. Up next, we're finally going to get around to the Apple stuff. Apple, Apple, Apple. So Apple's spring-loaded event on April 20th was loaded with all kinds of product announcements and updates. Did you watch it at all? Remember when we used to, like, wait with bated breath to, to I remember. watch I a remember. video stream I was, or live blog? Yeah, I was like, oh, that's today. There's no reason to watch. Anyway, I'll let you get started before I rant. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure there, there will be several rant points along oh, yeah. the highway here. Oh, yeah. So they had teased that they were going to have all these things and it was very colorful rotation. So... They roll out several things, including new iPad Pro models uh, sporting Apple's M1 processor that's already in the company's computers. Uh, they've got a 11-inch model that'll start at $799 and a 12.9-inch model that'll start at $1099. This is for the lowest configuration you can get. Both iPad Pros have new 12-megapixel ultra-wide cameras in them, and they can automatically track you during video calls. Not creepy at all. No, not creepy at all. Let me know when I can start ranting. Okay, well, I'll, I'll throw the prices here and then we'll... Yeah, that's it. Drop the flag and yeah, then yeah. I'll, I'll go. And then, uh, so the 12.9-inch so the model uh, has a new screen that uses 10,000 mini LEDs and Apple's calling it the Liquid Retina XDR display. So you can pre-order that April 30th and they'll send it to you sometime in late May. Uh, would you like to rant now? 
Okay, listen, this is what I, I have to say about the iPad Pro. So it looks fantastic. I'm probably going to get one. But why the bleep are they just not doing like every other computer company and making a combination laptop tablet device that runs their Mac OS? No, they don't do that because they want to grab some more of your money straight out of your pocket. They're going to hoover it right out of your pocket because if they can sell you this beautiful display with fantastic hardware, but with a crippled OS that really can't do anything but play movies on it or let you draw, then they're going to do that because they're not going to give you what you really need, which is a laptop running a full OS that you can also use as a tablet. Right. <sighs> this will put you in the Microsoft Surface camp, I think. Yes, it? exactly. I love the idea. Hell, we've been using the, those type of hybrid devices for almost a decade. I know I have. You take the thing, you flip it around, and it's a tablet. Granted, not the best tablet in the world. But if you need a tablet, you, you, you can tablet on it. Well, and the, well, then they've got the whole line of like the smart keyboards for the iPads. And of course, all yeah, these they got the peripherals and the dongles that they have to sell you. Yeah, and even though visually, and in some some areas of the OSs between iOS and the Mac OS uh, have converged a little bit, it's still a bifurcated system. It and is very much. Maybe when they get everything on the M1 chip and it's all running on the same processor. Maybe there will be more interoperability uh, where you're not Maybe. as constrained uh, with the, with the mobile. The mobile platform has come a long way uh, since, yeah. since it, but yeah, it's it still if if you if you need to run a Mac program on it, you're you're not going to have a lot of love. yeah. Your host and I know JD, you're a Mac full. I'm Mac full. You're in a glass full kind of person. So you know, but me, no, I don't expect there's going to be at least another decade before they even consider doing that. Before they even consider it. You, you were just not having this. No, I'm not I'm not having this. I'm not going to bet you a steak dinner. I might bet you a pizza mm -hmm. that within the next five years, we will not get Really? You think Mac, they're going to keep the two revenue MacBook. streams yes, running? absolutely. I think yes, they will. Well, 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 time will tell. Um, they also, right. uh, speaking of time, uh, it felt like a little bit going back in time when they introduced the iMac line with the bright, <laughs> fancy colors. Colors. They didn't go all the way back to the rounded, bondy, blue little bubble Mac of the late 1990s. but the it bubble did, butt. Yes, the bubble butt Mac, but it did slap the rainbow on a series of super thin flat panel iMacs, which are also now running their M1 chip. And they are very thin. I think it's less than, than 12 millimeters thickness on this screen. But are they wafer thin? I, I, I would classify them as wafer thin. Nice. Um, you can nice. choose one of seven different colors. And the new models come with a 24-inch screen, a wireless keyboard that includes Touch ID, and a 1080p FaceTime camera. So uh, there are some some specs on the old desktop model here. Prices start at 1299 I think for your very basic and obviously go up, you can pre-order that starting April 30th uh, for May delivery. I'm still a little leery of the M1 chip and I won't go near it. Don't know if uh, if software has sort of migrated over there. It has. Um, and plus, I don't have room for an iMac. I barely have room for a MacBook. So no, I mean, if, number one, again, rant on. I'm, I'm flaming on. Yes. First off, colors really, really, they they just go back to colors. Secondly, all right. Great. It's way for thin. How about giving us a touch screen? Let us touch the screen. I mean, I, well, please just 
HP's been doing that forever for Windows yes. machines. I bought a cheap Dell laptop that does the same thing. I mean, <sighs> Apple gonna Apple. Apple gonna Apple you to death. They're gonna Apple you right into the poorhouse. That's what they're gonna do. So, all right, fine. I digress. All right, so no rainbow Apple. What about the purple iPhone? Oh, this is the only Lord. thing I remembered from the headlines on that day. They, they apparently needed to put colors on everything, as you said, you know, colors. The iPhone 12 and 12 mini models will be available in a new purple color, uh, available for pre-order, I think, now and uh, arriving April 30th. Having bought a new iPhone last year, uh, I do not think I would trade in for purple. I'd no, I don't. This, I honestly don't understand this. Don't understand why they felt the need to roll out a purple iPhone. Well, it might be a, a teen market thing. Most teens that I have experience with, considering I am the father of a teen, can't afford to buy a $1,200 phone, let alone request a purple one. So I don't get what, who, I, I just, I just don't get this. And by the way, backing up for a little mini rantlet, I'm not going anywhere near the M1 chip until, until I'm talking about on the MacBook, maybe on the iPad, but until you don't have to use Rosetta for some of the apps. Yeah, I mean, well, they, they always have their transitional code under it, and then they take it away, and then, yes. then you're screwed. So Yes, exactly. Yeah, okay, so no uh, no purple iPhone, no M1 no. for you. No. Nope. Um, <clears throat> Apple TV 4K, they, they upgraded it uh, with an A12 Bionic chip and can now play HDR uh, and high frame rate videos. Now, you had, you had mentioned that you had recently updated your Apple TV. I'm, I'm guessing this would be a new hardware purchase if you wanted to do it again. I will definitely do that. This is the only one of their devices that actually intrigues me because I did invest in a 4K TV. So, you know, the new HDR stuff and it, they hadn't refreshed the Apple TV since 2018. So, I mean, it's basically more of the same, just a bigger, a, bi a bigger, badder chip. But I like to take advantage of the HDR stuff. Yeah, at the very least, one hundred seventy nine bucks uh, for the thirty two gig model. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Since we play the games, we've got the Apple Arcade. I'd probably invest in the sixty four gig, which is what I have now for the uh, for the older Apple TV. I don't use eBay, but I may toss my old one on eBay just to see if uh, if there are any buyers because yeah, you know you I'm definitely going to upgrade. Be, um, yeah, well, and and one of the things uh, they they did with this. Update is uh, they have redesigned the most annoying part of the Apple TV, which is that remote that you can never tell which way it was when you were in the dark. Like, am I on the touchpad? Am yes, I touching the back? thankfully. The new model is made of aluminum and has a circular click pad at the top, which made me think of the iPod Shuffle back in the day, where, where you've got a, a stick with a ring on. I yeah, still have so, mine. Oh, are, you know, it's a classic piece of, of and Apple. And it works. Yeah, and, and but we're keep using it. So, so you've got the circular click ring there and, and some other buttons for navigation. And then there's a Siri button on the side of it. Uh, the new Siri remote comes with this uh, brand new Apple TV, but it can also be purchased as a replacement for the remote that came with your older Apple TV 4K or the Apple TV HD, which I think was the model before that. Yeah, the model so, before that, which I also had. Yeah, so 59 bucks will, will get you uh, away from See? the annoying little remote. Innovation. Granted, it's not a big leap, but they fixed a problem, and they made it where it works on older devices. That's nice, Apple. That makes me want to buy stuff when you do stuff like that. Yeah, well, I got so annoyed with the, the little original Siri remote that I just started using the remote app on my phone because like, you can type and it's easier to, to navigate stuff anyway. So Absolutely. Hated that remote. 
Now, as we mentioned earlier, and at the top of the show, Apple is adding a subscription feature to the podcast app. And this is also an app which is is redesigning as well. Uh, Subscribers will get ad-free listening, extra content, and other perks. Uh, The podcast creators themselves, though, will have to pay a flat fee of $19.99 per year to even offer subscriptions through Apple's service. And then on top of that, you got to give Apple a 30% cut of revenue for each subscriber's first year. And if you can maintain your subscribers... Years after that, uh, it'll drop to a 15% cut of the subscription fee. So I guess they're trying to encourage people to make good content so that subscribers don't bail. So, so this is Apple's take on Spotify is is going to let people put podcasts on subscription without charging the fee. Go, Apple Spotify. is charging money. Apple's podcast app, correct me if I am wrong, uh, it's only available on Apple devices, right? Uh, the, the, as the far Mac as I understand, devices. yeah. yeah and, and you can stream them through Apple TV, but... Right. Apple Music, you can get on other devices like on Android and stuff, but I, you can't get the podcast app. I'm going to guess you know what I'm going to rant about here. Um, oh, yeah. But please let me get out of the way. No, no. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Bring out the soapbox. <laughs> Don't make me go into the other room again. <laughs> Listen, first off, 1999 for the honor of getting subscription, plus they take a taste like some cheap neighborhood wannabe mobster they're taking a taste 30 percent, yeah and then 15 percent. if if you keep your people mm-hmm. i mean oh you know how bad i felt about nobody the, the film we talked about at the top that's how how much I, i'm more upset about this well podcasting is near and dear to your heart apple could not have given less of a crap about their podcast app. They couldn't care about podcasts until very recently when they realized they could maybe make some money at it. But they had ne- they paid no attention. And the unfortunate part of the thing is that they are the main hub for getting podcasts. Well, they did make it very easy for people to, because in the old days when you had to like subscribe to the feed and, you know, it was, and have a special app, Apple did, I think, with iTunes. It was either iTunes 4.5 or 4.9. One of those way back, you know, they got the podcast thing and they made it very simple to subscribe. So I'll give them credit for that. But then they kind of ignored it and then you've just got they this sort of... kind of. They actively ignored it. They couldn't care less about it. Once they started the music store, they didn't care. But now... Yeah, well, then Spotify's coming up on the rail here. So. I hope Spotify really does. I mean, you know, I have my issues with Spotify. Don't get me wrong. But... This the, the, it's just distasteful. It's it's odious to use that word again. Take a shot. Odious is a new one. I'm going to work that into every episode. Yes. But I mean, it's just disgusting. I mean, no, you know what? All joking aside, I'm not going to ask my listeners to pay for the honor of me paying Apple. You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's just crazy. I'd rather just do the advertising. Yeah, well, I think they're going for for a lot of also the the big slick podcasts from from major organizations where they've already got some some ad stuff built in. The, the and, Joe Rogan, the, the Mark Marins, the you know those type of things. Yeah, the, like the dailies and, and yeah, yeah and I get the, it. I and get occasionally it. there'll be some indie shows that take off, but but I'm curious to see if if people will sign up for these too. You know, we we thought oh nobody will pay for news, but you know people are starting to pay for news now. As a small podcaster you're going to have to provide extra content. So that's extra work. So there's a diminishing returns at some point. You know, how much are you going to give away 
free to entice people. Then again, how much are you going to put behind a firewall that may alienate some of your listeners? And, and people are going to want some decent kind. Like you can't just put a, a blooper reel or, you know, no, people drop the F-bomb. Like you need to have something not. that's quality. That's right. I mean, I can drop F-bombs with the best of them. I don't think you guys want I've to pay for that. It, yeah. Yes. You're like the B-29 of yes. F-bomb dropping there. I am a, a true, as my friend Christopher Melly says, I am a true sweargarian. But I'm not going to make you pay for it. Yeah, well, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, but uh, and then uh, I think Apple had, you know, they had a few other. They announced like some family version of their credit card, which I'm like, yeah, I don't really care about yeah, well, credit. Okay. But the thing that people had been waiting for at least two product announcement cycles to see when they were finally going to drop, finally arrived the AirTags, which we had talked, you know, they're, they're basically like those little tile things where yeah. it's a, a little remote tracker for items that you lose often, like your keys or if you misplaced your bag or whatever. So Apple finally released the, the AirTag trackers and they're little discs that you can attach to a special keychain or stick in your bag. And then when you misplace that item, you can use the Find My app on your Mac or iOS device to locate it uh, on a map or in the room or wherever. One AirTag costs $29 and you can get a four pack for $99. I'm guessing this is if you have kids. Those are out April 30th, and there was some concern about the security on these, but Apple has encrypted the AirTag tracking process with end-to-end encryption uh, so that no one but the owner of said AirTag has access to its current or past location. So so they claim that they've made this, like, even if you lose the thing, somebody can't repair it with another device and then figure out where you've been. But given their, you know, security holes and airdrop, you know, I hope we've tested this. Yeah, let's let's see. Apple's doing what they've done successfully for a very long time is they've waited out. They've identified a, a product that they could try to make better and use their existing platforms. And as a parent, I would probably use this. I mean, I used to use the Tile devices, so I would be worried if I were Tile right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, because you know the big 800-pound gorilla has just put out its own version of your product. Yeah, but considering you know how often my kids lose stuff, yeah, I would spend twenty nine bucks to maybe put it in their bag and be able to do my, uh, you know, find my, my Mac, yeah, find type my thing. child, yeah. find my child. Yes, exactly. That might be worth it as a parent. So I won't rag on this one. Yeah, yeah. Let's let, let's have the product roll out and see. You know, when, when the hackers inevitably get a hold of it and see if if someone cracks it open. Again, so. this is the one. That's exactly the point where I'm going to wait before I jump on the bandwagon. So, so that was the bulk of their announcements, you know, and they always have, you know, the various platitudes and, and self-congratulations. Yeah, but, of course. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so, so they did their hardware dump. Yeah, they've got Worldwide Developers Conference uh, coming up six weeks or so in June. So that's What's the rumor for that? Oh, it's always new OSs and, uh, ah. you know, we're going to look at the Mac and we're going to look at iOS. I guess they're up to 15. I still can't use Big Sur. So that's so frustrating to me. I would like to use a, a better OS, supposedly, or a more updated OS, but I still have never gotten used to the fact that you have to wait like two iterations for the software companies to catch up. I, d- I don't understand that logic, but it, it does, is an Apple does thing. slow you down. So uh, yeah, so, so they'll do uh, WWDC in June, software preview, and then before you know it, September will be here. Everyone will be going back to their office jobs, and it'll be time to announce the new uh, iPhone 13. iPhone 13. Purple? It's got to be purple. Well, yeah, I think I mean, you know, various shades of purple and thing. Yeah, and didn't that, didn't respect his memory. Prince passed, I think, five years ago or he so did, five this years week. Ago. You know, it's yes. the same week of the purple iPhone, so it, it it did make me think of Mr. Prince. I'm thinking maybe there was some connection there, and they maybe because you know Prince was never one about cutting deals that weren't in his favor. 
God bless them. And uh, I'm thinking maybe that uh, <laughs> they just decided to put the phone without the Prince reference. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, for people who are fans of, of the purple one, you know, this would be the phone uh, for you. See, now I feel bad because I'm a big Prince fan, huge Prince fan. So maybe now I want to get the phone. Yeah, well, you know, Thanks, look, at, look at it in the store and make sure the purple suits you. So. Thanks, JD. Yeah, or just, you know, listen to some old Prince tracks. And, there you go. There you go. Yeah, I got the box set. Nice. Get a purple case for your existing phone and, and I got just call you. it the Nice. Uh, yeah. Nice. Well played, JD. You saved it. You pulled it right out of the fire. Whoa. Nice. Well, uh, yeah, and you know, I just, I'm going to go listen to like Purple Rain in 1999 now. Anyway, we should probably wrap up. Oh, yes. Let's thank the bros. Yes. Thank you, bros. Thank you, bros. If you think it, they will build it. Builtbybros.com. And thank you, listeners. We hope you are having a fine season wherever you're at. And uh, as, as we get closer, more people get vaccinated. It's never going to be normal again, but maybe things will get more familiar uh, in the near future. We will be back uh, hopefully in a week or two with uh, some more tech news. And I'm sure Al Kaiser will have some piece of pop culture that he will um, <laughs> share his feelings upon. Hey, King Kong versus Godzilla, not nobody. All right. That's my recommendation for the week. All right. Uh, so you heard it here. Uh, there first. you go. You heard it here last. Yes. So so until <laughs> next time, I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. Let's go get some air tags and track things. Just put it on stuff. Thank you.